How's it going, guys? My name is Heather. I'm one of the pastors here. Pumped to be here with you guys. Still no baby yet, but we are less than three weeks out from the due date. So anytime now. Um, how many of you guys have heard of pregnancy cravings, right? Like this is a thing. Lots of people have asked me if I've had pregnancy cravings. Um, my first pregnancy with Leland, I craved oranges like obsessively for a month straight. Like I had to eat oranges every day. Like at 10 p.m. at night, I wanted, all I wanted was oranges. I don't know, vitamin C deficiency maybe? This pregnancy, I have craved mac and cheese like a little bit. So good. And then there's been a few times where I've really craved french fries. One of these times, I just happened to be driving by an In-N-Out, yes, which don't necessarily have the best french fries to me unless you're talking about animal style. And then I'm like, give me animal style, plenty of ketchup on top of it, and a fork, please. This is how I eat my In-N-Out, I know. Thank you, I, yeah, everybody has their thing. This is mine. <laughs> So recently, I'm driving by In-N-Out, I'm craving french fries, I'm like, perfect, let's go. I, I pull up, you guys know the one up here on Harvey, and then I see the drive-through line. And I'm like, nobody's got time for that, come on. Don't I get like pregnancy pass or something? Like, can I just like, I don't know. So I have to decide in that moment, like, is this worth it? Right? Like, is this really worth it? Have you guys been there? Have you guys been, like, the specific, the drive-through, right? And you're just like, is this worth it? Or a line, you get to Starbucks and you're like, okay, I'm going to be late to my first class. Is this worth it? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on who you are. So in this particular moment, I decided, yes, it was worth it. But this is a question we run up against often, right? Is it worth it? And I think, you guys, I think we run up against this in our relationship with God, too. Okay, stick with me for a second. See, I've had times where I've wondered if following God's way is actually worth it. I'm admitting this. Seriously. Like, some things are easy. I know that God wants peace for my life, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> bring it on. I know he wants me to be full of joy. I'm like, okay, great. And that's awesome. He wants to bless me? Sure bring it on. Yes to all of that all the time, please. But, but then there's the harder things that I, I do wonder, like, is it worth it? Like, what about when it goes against what I want for my life or what I'm feeling? What about when God's way actually involves suffering on our part? What about pain? What about saying no forever to the thing that we think we want the most? Is following God's way worth it when it's really hard? <laughs> because, okay, you guys, if I'm, if I'm really honest, and I think maybe some of you guys too, if we don't follow God's will, won't he just forgive us anyway? So why does it really actually matter? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to see what God's word has to say about it. And I'm going to share a little bit about how this has looked in my own life. Would you guys pray with me as we jump in? 
Lord, thank you for your word, for your spirit, for your people, for your church. God, that we get to gather together tonight in your name and hear some truth from your scripture. God, thank you for that time of worship, Lord, that you met us there. Lord, I pray that you just continue on in that spirit of your presence tonight as we dive into your word. We love you, we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this series called Kingdom Now, and we've been in it for a while, and we've got a couple weeks left. We're going through the book of Luke, and you guys have been awesome sticking with us. Just a heads up for where we're going in the spring, if I can say it, we're doing a relationship series. It's going to be great. So come back after Easter. It's about to get real. (laughs) It's going to be good. (laughs) Yes. But right now we're in Luke, and it's great. (laughs) I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 22. And just to let you guys know, place this in context, this is after the Last Supper and before the cross. Okay, so we're like post-Last Supper where Jesus, like, you know, body, blood, wine, bread, all of that stuff, washes disciples' feet. It's great. But before the cross, okay, so that's where we are. He's in the garden. He's with his disciples, and he's contemplating what's ahead of him because he knows. He says all throughout the Gospels, he says, I'm going to the cross. Well, he doesn't say that exactly, but he he knows. He knows this is coming. So this is what it says. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. That's what disciples do. (laughs) They follow. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Whew. Wow. This is one of the most powerful and real passages in the Gospels. Jesus starts by addressing God as Father. He says, Father, if you are willing. And CA students, if you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ... Like Jake was saying, God is a person. We have a personal relationship with God. And because of Jesus ushering us into the family of God through the cross, we also get to call God Father. So when we're contemplating God's will for our life, we know that it's God our Father's will for our life. Not God, some far-off, distant deity being, but God our Father who loves us. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. What's he saying here? What cup? What? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, team cup. (laughs) This is going to be rough. Okay. In the Bible, cup, a cup is symbolic for God's wrath. It's the wrath of God which is another way of saying God's righteous anger. 
And God's righteous anger, it's directed at sin and what sin has done to his creation. And when I say sin, I mean like the sin of humans, right? Of men and women. So really, it's God's righteous anger that is directed at people. Kind of a bummer. Key passages in the Bible that connect God's wrath to a cup are these. I'm just going to read them. Isaiah 51:17. it says, Rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. Okay, so cup and wrath. Jeremiah 25, 15 says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath. Revelation 14, here we go, 9 through 10. It says, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, his wrath, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. There is nothing more serious and nothing more dangerous than the wrath of God. And Jesus knows what lies ahead of him is the cross where God is calling him to suffer and die and experience the absolute fullness of God's wrath being poured out onto him. That's what the cross is. Jake's going to talk about it more soon, but, but Jesus was going to the cross. That was God's will so that we didn't have to experience the fullness of God's wrath, so that we didn't have to. What is equally true about God Yes, his wrath is the most dangerous and most intense and most serious thing out there. But there's nothing more powerful than the love of God and nothing more worth it than the will of God. And Jesus knows this well, and that's why he can say the next part in Luke 22. He says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Yet not my will, but yours be done. This morning, Tyler and I were talking about the presidential election that's coming up in the fall and what characteristics we value in candidates. Very light breakfast conversation at 7 a.m. We both said that we would want them to have a strong character. We would want them to be a person of faith. We'd want them to be a good leader. And then I added, I was like, yeah, and like, I'd really like them to be intelligent, right? Thinking, like, that's a fair thing to want of your president. And Tyler was like, meh, meh. Honestly, intelligence doesn't matter that much to me. I would just want them to be humble and wise. And I was like, oh, okay, tell me more. <laughs> he says he doesn't, he doesn't really care about how smart they are necessarily. And actually, he would rather them defer to people who are smarter than them in different areas of knowledge, right? And then actually listen to those people when making decisions. The definition of defer, I have it up on the screen, it's to allow someone else to decide or choose something as in deferring to the experts. Or, and, it means deferring to something to agree to follow. The example sentence that the dictionary gives is, you have more experience with this, so I'm going to defer to you. 
Basically, in Tyler's mind, a good politician doesn't have to be an expert in everything as long as they surround themselves with experts and actually listen to them. Basically, some people are military experts. Let's get one around the president and have them actually listen to him. Some people are scientific experts. Some people are medical experts. And you know what God is an expert in? Your life. God is an expert in your life. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. This is a comforting passage to me. I love it so much. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And here's the thing. Don't you want thoughts that are higher than your thoughts? And don't you want ways that are higher than your ways? I know I do. Because my thoughts are only limited to what I know. And I know I don't know that much. But God knows everything. (laughs) He's the expert in your life. And he doesn't just know things in like a big, overwhelming way, right? Because he knows everything, like that seems really big. He knows everything in a small, cell by cell, atom by atom, person by person, intimate way. Psalm 139 says this. I just want to read this over you guys, so just listen. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, God doesn't just know us better than we know ourselves. He knew us before we knew ourselves. He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. He knows our greatest potential and our deepest failures. He knows how we can thrive and succeed and flourish. And he also knows what drives us into isolation and fear and purposelessness. God is an expert in our lives, and we can defer to the expert. We can allow God to decide and choose. That's the definition of defer. 
we can agree to follow him. We can say, you have more experience with this, so I'm going to defer to you. Because the reality is, even though God knows what we're going to choose, he still gives us the choice. He doesn't force us to love him. He doesn't force us to follow his ways. He doesn't force us to defer to his will. You know what every single Bible story has in common? When people try to do it their way, it doesn't go well. The one person to perfectly submit to God was Jesus. And we can be like, okay, yeah, but he was God. Come on. (laughs) Yes, but he was also fully human. And that's the incredible nature of the incarnation. That's what we call God's presence here on earth. And in the story, we can clearly see that submitting to God's will here wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. He didn't get a pass because he was Jesus. Verse 43 says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This wasn't easy. I love that God responded in this moment by sending help. And Jesus responded by praying more fervently. Do we do that, you guys? Like, when the needs get greater, does our need for God get greater? Do we lean in more the more need we're in? And here's the spoiler spoiler alert. God didn't take the cup away. Jesus went to the cross. Have you guys ever had a prayer not get answered? Same with Jesus. God's will here was for Jesus to experience the fullness of the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. And Jesus knew that it was worth it for him to go to the cross for you, for me, for us. God's will is always worth it. That's the second point. God's will is always worth it. God is an expert in your life, and his will is always worth it. God's will for you is to forgive every single person who wrongs you every single time, and it's worth it. God's will for you is to not drink until you legally can and to not get drunk, and it's worth it. God's will for you is to be sexually pure outside of marriage, and it's worth it. God's will for you is to give all of your future plans to him. Let him direct you, and it's worth it. God's will for you is to put aside your own agenda and sacrificially serve the people around you, and it's worth it. And how do I know it's worth it? Other than the Bible tells me so. Because... I can stand up here and say I've personally tried both ways on pretty much all of these things. And everything outside of God's will has led to brokenness in my relationships. It's led to shame that has loomed over me and the others around me. It's led to consequences that make everything more difficult in life. 
I've shared stories here before about my journey with sexual purity and how that's looked in my life. But what I haven't shared was that that went hand in hand with a long struggle with lust and masturbation. That's not a fun thing to say on stage, by the way. But here I am saying yes to God's will because I believe that the truth is worth it if it sets even one more person free. This struggle started when I was in middle school, when I didn't even really know what it was, and it continued for years. And at a certain point when I got to high school and I started following Jesus more intimately and more closely and I started reading God's word, I felt deep conviction because I read that to even look at another person with lust in your eyes is committing the sin of adultery, which is basically having sex outside of marriage, right? And that it was deeply damaging. But you guys, I was a slave. I was an addict in the purest form. I hate saying that. I didn't know how to stop, and worst of all, I didn't know how to get help. I felt so much shame, and I wanted to tell someone. I just wanted to talk to anyone about it. But I felt like, that's not a girl's struggle. That's gross. That's bad. You can't be a Christian and struggle with that. The enemy told me lies over and over and over. And CA students, if that's you tonight, I love you. God loves you. And I just want to say that that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil who wants to keep you isolated and enslaved and alone and ineffective for the kingdom of God, trapped in your sin, whether it's lust and masturbation or whether it's pride, whether it's greed, whether it's whatever it is. God, though, God, though, he loves you. He's your father. He wants to set you free. He wants to come into the light with you and and give you freedom and goodness and deliverance. He wants to break the chains that are holding you back from the life that he has for you. And you guys, it's worth it. One night, I decided to believe that for myself. I decided to tell one of my roommates, one of my best friends, who I knew loved me and loved Jesus. And that started a process by God's grace of getting free that lasted for several long years. And I remember how at the beginning of this talk, do you guys remember, I said, well, I mean, won't God just forgive us anyway? Well, yes. God did forgive me immediately, in an instant. He forgave me past, present, and future. When I cried out, when I reached out and confessed my sin and asked for forgiveness, he said yes. But the years I spent being ruled by my own will still had deep consequences in my life. And honestly, those consequences did damage that had ripple effects in almost every area of my life, including in my marriage. And these are things that I've had to walk through and heal from and figure out as an adult and moving forward that God wanted to save me from in the first place. Yes, he forgave me. Thank God. His grace is enough. But his will 
was for me to not even be there in the first place. CA students, I just want to give you guys this bonus for free because I know this is a common struggle. Maybe you don't know this, but God created us beautifully. He designed us to live and function a certain way. And when we go outside of that way, it actually, in the case of masturbation especially, reroutes and relines crevices in our brain, rewiring things. I'm sure someone smarter than me could say it better. But God intends for us to express our sexuality with another person in the confines of marriage. And when we do it on our own, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, that changes things. And all of a sudden, we're experiencing what was meant to be between two people with just ourselves. And so then that messes things up for the future. God is a healer. He redeems. I've experienced it. But it's a journey getting back there. And I just want to tell you guys, if this is something that you have struggled with, this, something else, but especially this, talk to someone. Get free. Don't stay in isolation. Don't stay in bondage. It's so worth it. When Jesus went to the cross, he obeyed God. Even though he said, God, can you take this cup? Can you let this cup pass from me? But not my will, but yours be done. Because he said yes to God's will, so can we. Jesus made a way for us to obey. When he died on the cross and resurrected again, we were brought into that. We were able to access the yes of Jesus. Because Jesus deferred to God's will, so can we. It's a lie that you have to stay a slave. You can say no to temptation. You can say no to sin. And you can be free. We are no longer slaves. CA students, I want to invite you to defer to God's will and tell you that it's worth it every time. It's worth it every time. We are going to have a chance to talk more about this in small groups that we call pods. And I want you guys to go into this space with just a, a sacredness, a holiness, kind of like a quiet space of going into this place and realizing that, man, God might be calling some people in this room to defer to his will in some deep areas. And if that's you, like, I just want you to know you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Jesus wants freedom for your life. We're going to talk about in pods what stood out to you from the talk, but also if there's an area that you might want to identify and share that God wants to set you free from, that you need to start deferring to his will instead of your will in, you can identify that and share it. If you don't feel like you want to share it with your whole pod, that's okay. You can just say, there's an area, I know it, and here's who I'm going to tell about it. Does that make sense? All right, well, would you guys pray with me as we go into this sacred time? Lord, would you increase our trust in you? Lord, as we experience your love, as we contemplate the cost of the cross as we think about 
the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus so that we don't have to experience it, Lord? Would that draw us to trust you and trust your love and trust your will for our life? God, thank you for your word that it brings light and hope through its good news. God, I pray for every person in this room to experience more of that hope, more of that light, and more of that good news in their own lives. In Jesus' name, amen.